It's episode 86 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. So, so, so excited for you all to hear this episode. This is kind of a follow-up to one that I did, gosh, it's probably been six months since I did a podcast about birth control options, and I got a lot of comments and questions and concerns from all of you about the birth control pill you're on it, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to get off, you're scared to get off. And so I decided to bring on an expert to answer all of those questions and give you the tools you need to make the best decision for you. So I cannot wait for you all to hear this, especially this is not just for those people who are on birth control now. This is for those also who have ever been on birth control or as you'll hear, just have hormones, which is all of us as women. So a really good episode coming for all of us. Can't wait to get into that. But first, a few announcements. The first thing, I think I mentioned maybe way back at the beginning of the year that one of my goals this year was to meet more of you in person. And because of that, I have tried really hard to make some in-person meetups happen. And I have a few that are scheduled and ready for you all to come and hang out. I'm hoping that we can all get together and meet up if I'm in your area. So I'm going to try to make it happen. The first one will be taking place Friday, March 1st, and I will be in Portland, Oregon. I have been asked to go to the NTA conference, which is Nutritional Therapy Association Conference. That's what I am. I'm an NTP through the NTA, and I've been to the conference every single year since I graduated. It's a great, great event. Last year, I spoke on a keto panel all about ketosis, the ketogenic diet, and getting clients into that state if that's something they want to do, when to use it in their practice, that kind of thing. This year, I'm actually going to speak about business, building a business, running a business, having your own business, all of the stuff that I do here for myself on my own, what I have built here I'm really proud of, and I really want to share my knowledge, what I've learned over the past five years. I think it might even be six years as an entrepreneur. I want to now share that with all of you who are starting a business. And, you know, I guess specifically if you're looking into the nutrition health space, how I can help you there too would be just awesome. So I'll be doing that at the NTA conference in downtown Portland that first weekend of March. And so I've decided to host a Keto for Women meetup that Friday while I'm in Portland. So whether you're going to the NTA conference or not, which I know a lot of you listening are now nutritional therapy practitioners and maybe going to the conference, which that would be awesome to meet you there. I do this meetup with all of you, but you don't have to be going to the NTA conference. You don't have to be an NTP. All you have to do is be in downtown Portland that first weekend of March 2019 and we can meet up. So that's Friday, March 1st. 
first downtown Portland will just be a bunch of keto for womeners meeting up in person, chatting, having a drink, having some apps, perhaps. I don't know what they have there. We'll have to find out once we get there, but we can all do it together, meet in person and chat. If you are interested, if you live in the Portland area, if you're going to be in Portland that weekend, if you're going to the NTA conference, whatever the case may be, head to my website, seanminer.com slash NTA meetup, and you can reserve your spot. I just need to know how many of you are going to be there so I can warn people ahead of the time. It's free, doesn't cost anything. I just need to know that you will be there so that we have some idea on numbers. I cannot wait for that. The whole weekend is going to be great. Always is, but definitely ready to meet some of you in person and hoping I can do that in Portland. If I can't, I also have another opportunity coming actually the following weekend. It's a busy spring for me, really crazy. But Saturday, March 9th, I will be in LA. So if you are in LA, come hang out with me at the new Oh So Good Bone Broth storefront. We all know Oh So Good. They were a really great sponsor of the Keto for Women show for a really long time. They have the most amazing bone broth in the entire world, and now they have a storefront, which is so cool. I wish so much that they were here in Boulder because I would go every day, but they're not. They are in LA. And so while I'm in LA, I will be visiting them and I want you all to come with me. So Saturday, March 9th, I believe it's downtown-ish LA. I don't know anything about LA. So you'll have to look up the exact location. If that is something you're interested in, if you're going to be in LA that weekend or you live around the area and want to come hang out on Saturday, head to seanminer.com slash LA meetup. All of these will be sent in a newsletter along with my future meetups, which I will be announcing over the rest of the year. But spoiler alert, one will be at KetoCon, so you can plan on that too. But all of this will be sent out in my newsletter, so make sure you are on that list. You can do so over at my website as well. We'll have links to all of this in the show notes, and I'll make sure to also post about it over on my social media channels, Sean Miner on Instagram and Sean Miner Health on Facebook. Super excited for that stuff. One last announcement about things that are happening in March. We also have the next round of the Fat Burning Female Project. It is starting March 4th with materials being delivered that Friday before March 1st. That means it is coming up super quickly. I cannot wait. This current group that started in January are doing phenomenal. There are some major, major changes going on in that class. I absolutely love seeing it and being a part of it and knowing I had something to do with it. It makes me just get the chills. So I cannot wait to help you. This next round starting in March will be awesome for those wanting to make a change or perhaps you started keto in January and it didn't go so well. You can do it the right way for your body in the Fat Burning Female Project. Enrollment is one day and is that Monday prior, February 25th. So make sure to mark your calendars and even better, just get on the wait list because you will be the first person to know. That is the best way to make sure you get into that March class. Before we move into today's episode, I want to introduce you to our newest Keto for Women partner, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks to benefit our immunity 
energy, and longevity. Now, it may seem a little bit weird to base a whole line of products around mushrooms, but these aren't just any old mushrooms from the grocery store. Four Sigmatic believes in the real magic of functional mushrooms, such as lion's mane, chaga, and cordyceps to enhance people's lives and health. They use these powerful mushrooms in things like coffee, tea, hot cacaos, and elixirs so we can get all of the benefits within the things we are consuming daily already. Important to note right here and right now that none of these products actually taste like mushrooms. They taste like they're supposed to taste. They come in easy single-serve packets, tins for at-home use, and even K-cup coffee pods for all you Keurig users out there. I first tried Four Sigmatic coffee with lion's mane back at a conference I was at a few years ago. I had a sample and I was instantly hooked because I felt different than just drinking regular coffee. It wasn't like this weird, jittery caffeine feeling that I normally get. I think y'all know I don't handle caffeine all that well. It was like a different kind of focus and sustainable energy coming from drinking just this little packet of coffee. It was the lion's mane that was working for me instead of just hopping myself up on all this caffeine. I loved it. I still love it. Right now, I'm crushing on their chai latte when I need a little midday warm-up because it's cold where I live right now, and I need these midday hot drinks, and I'm all about their chai latte. It is so delicious and really hits the spot for a little midday treat. The convenience of these single-serve packets are so nice. You just mix them into water. You can take them anywhere, put them in your lunch bag or your purse, your backpack, and you have these really easy drinks ready to go. I personally also add in coconut cream to make them a little frothy, delicious, keto-friendly drink. I highly recommend doing that for you all too. You will absolutely love it. Right now, as a partner of the Keto for Women show... They are giving our listeners 15% off of your order when you head to foursigmatic.com slash Sean. That's four, F-O-U-R, Sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Sean. Use the coupon code Sean for your 15% off. Of course, that's S-H-A-W-N. Again, foursigmatic.com slash Sean. Use coupon code Sean for 15% off. Thank you so much to Four Sigmatic for helping bring this show to air today. All right, let's move on to today's interview with Dr. Jolene Brighton. Like I said, So excited to have her here. She is a wealth of information and just a really fun person to chat with. You guys are going to love it. Dr. Jolene Brighton is a functional naturopathic medical doctor and nutritional biochemist with a focus in women's endocrine health. She is recognized as a leading expert in post-birth control syndrome and the long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. Dr. Brighton is the author of Beyond the Pill, a 30-day plan to support women on birth control, help them transition off, and eliminate symptoms of post-birth control syndrome. She is a speaker, women's health advocate, and a medical advisor for one of the first data-driven apps to offer women personalized birth control recommendations. All right, let's hear from Dr. Brighton. Dr. Jolene Brighton, thank you so much for coming on Keto for Women today. Hey there, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat. 
you had a different project a while back. Mm-hmm. We had chatted then in a podcast. So yeah. I feel very special to be included in this project. <laughs> I know it's come in full circle, but this is kind of a whole new audience to be totally honest. Obviously, Keto for Women, we're all women. We're all using the ketogenic lifestyle. So not just the diet, but the whole lifestyle that comes with it. Really learning how to tap into our own bodies so that we can understand what's best for our bodies using the diet, but using other things in our lifestyle. So it's a really cool platform and a really good way to reach women who want to learn more about their health. And I'm so excited to have you on the show because I did a podcast episode, gosh, it's probably been about six months ago, about different forms of birth control and some of the things that could be happening to your body because of those birth control options. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of feedback, just women had no idea of what they were actually doing to the body (laughs) with, with these birth control pills specifically that their doctors had put them on regardless of if they even were trying to not have a baby or not. Mm -hmm. And so I know that this is your expertise. I'm so happy to have you on the show. But first, let's kind of introduce you to everyone. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this field, what you do now, how you help women, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to be a gut doc. I was a sick kid and I had a lot of digestive issues. And so I was like, I really want to focus on that. You know, my background's in, I have a degree in chemistry, nutritional biochemistry, along with clinical nutrition focus. And I became a naturopathic physician, which was the first time that I really learned in medical school how my menstrual cycle worked and how often, you know, you are actually fertile, which is one day out of every month. And we can talk more about how sperm is tricky. But with that, you know, I'd been on the pill for 10 years, really grateful to have that tool that I could utilize it to become a first generation college student. But it was a situation where I was like, yeah, if I can only get pregnant one day out of the month and yes, right now I'm not sexually active, why am I even taking this anymore? And I had originally started it for painful, heavy periods, like bleeding seven to eight days out of the month, carrying a sweatshirt with you. Cause that was like back then, you know, in the nineties, you just tie a sweatshirt around your <laughs> waist. That was fashionable. That was me at school. Like I always had to have a sweatshirt with me just in case like my pod failed. And that was if I could go to school because I was in so much pain. So birth control was awesome because then all those period problems went away till I found out later, oh wait, but they had a root cause. So there's that. So I'm in naturopathic medical school. I decided to come off of hormonal birth control. And when I do, I lose my period for the first time in my life. Now, you know, this is something that was just, it's still baffling to me. I went to my doctor and like, I haven't had a period. It's been like three months. I stopped hormonal birth control. Also, I have a cystic acne. Like, what's up with that? And he was like, eh, you probably have PCOS. You probably always had PCOS. And I'm like, I think maybe it had something to do with my hormonal birth control. No, I've never seen anything like that. Like, you're the only one that's ever reported this. So I felt like I was a freak. I also was like, wait, like, no, I definitely had periods that were every 28 days. I'm learning about PCOS. That's not PCOS. And he says to me, well, you're probably just misremembering and you don't really know. I'm like, No. When you count down your period, like doomsday is coming every single (laughs) month, you freaking know, you know, when your period is coming. And that was just crazy to me that he would just tell me that like, because it didn't fit, he couldn't figure it out. And I didn't fit the scenario that he was typically seeing, although I ventured to guess he was, that I must be mistelling my story, that I must be the one who was wrong. And so with that, having a background in nutrition, studying herbal medicine, you know, having all these tools at my disposal, 
I worked hard, got my period back, cleared my skin. You and I, we can see each other. No one else can see me. But if you see me, I don't have a beard of cystic acne anymore. That's a win. And it was once I came into clinical practice that I realized the majority, if not all women, struggle to come off of hormonal birth control. And it was a funny thing because... You know, I had done a two-year clinical rotation uh, at a homeless youth clinic, and about this time, I had decided I was going to go into women's medicine because I was noticing that a lot of things were done to women, not with women, and I had great mentors to show me like how to do women's medicine better. And with that, we, you know, at the homeless youth clinic, these are high-risk women. Okay, they're living on the streets. Sexual assault is very high risk, and so. This is why I would never advocate not to have contraceptive options. So with these women, we were, we were dispensing a lot of birth control and mostly depot shots. That was like the easiest, you know, form for them. But as we did that, there were all these things we had to tell them about all these, you know, because this was a state run program. And as I was doing rotations in general practitioner, conventional medicine practices, it was like, Hey, you're going to college. Congratulations. Here's a pill and no discussion. And that always struck me as really odd. And it was just something that, you know, I'd even asked doctors, like, why don't you talk about like the stroke risk and all these things? They're like, oh, it's so mild. Like, it's not really anything to worry about. And this is her right. And 100% it was her right. This just wasn't a conversation happening. When I started my private practice, though, the hilarious thing is, is that I was so fatigued on all this birth control dispensing that I told my husband, I don't want anything to do with birth control. In fact, I'm just going to send my patients to the gynecologist for that prescription because I don't want anything to do with birth control anymore. I'm like so over it. Then I wrote a book about birth control. What happened is that I got this reputation of a doctor who believed women's birth control stories. And so women were coming to me with side effects. I got the marina place. Now I'm feeling anxious. I started the pill. Now I am super, super fatigued and with brain fog. Like, Hey, I started the pill. Now I have digestive issues. I started the Nuva ring. Now I have chronic infections and my mood is tanking. Like all of these kinds of things. And people would call up and say, you know, I heard you're the doctor that believes women's birth control stories. And I always laughed because I was like, no, I just believe women's story. Like I just listened to my patient. And I came to start documenting. And I just want to honor my patients. Thank goodness for them, for trusting me, for working with, you know, together in a partnership that I developed these protocols for being on hormonal birth control, for post-birth control syndrome, so that women can have those options. And so, and, you know, with that, when I started talking about it, this was like, I think four years ago, I was mentioning what I do to my good friend, JJ Virgin. And she was like, I've never heard of this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody's talking about this. Like, mm-hmm. why are you not talking about it? I'm like, I am talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just a small person. Nobody's listening. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> reality. It's so funny because now women will say like, oh, wow, I'm so happy that you just started talking about this. And like, and I'm like, not, you just noticed <laughs> the first time. But, you know, it was with that, that I actually set out to write a book. The book is Beyond the Pill to give women solutions for their hormones beyond the pill. We're given hormonal birth control for just about, I mean, any is the pill for any female ill. Mm -hmm. So with that, I was like, I want to write a book that you can understand your body, understand your hormones, work with them, be able to optimize your hormones naturally. And at the same time, if you choose hormonal birth control, be supported on that. 
And when you come off not to be in the hormonal hell that I found myself in. And so I'm really excited for this book because it's going to help women. I mean, wherever you are in your journey and it's pretty, I'm just getting really pumped. It's pretty phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, so needed. And you're right. You know, there really aren't that many people talking about it. And now I think is a really good time because people are, women are starting to understand what exactly is going on and they do want this information. Whereas before when nobody's talking about it, you're just like, all right, well, my doctor told me to do this, so I'm just going to do it. And you don't know the questions to ask or the tools to decide if it's right for you or not, you know? And so I really want to go through this whole process. So Mm -hmm. let's start at the very beginning because like you, there are so many women who are given the birth control pill as really the only option for a whole host of things, not just because they don't want to have a baby, Mm -hmm. just like all these things that doctors will just throw the pill at it and that's it. No conversation at all. So what are these reasons for using the pill that doctors are turning to instead of some other means? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the pill is it was really designed so that you could delay pregnancy or space your pregnancy. So you could get pregnant when you wanted. And now it's really evolved where estimates have said about 58% of women are using it for non-contraceptive reasons. So the mm-hmm. primary reason, now that might be a secondary reason, but the primary reason are for symptoms of hormone imbalance. So this can be things like period pain, period pain that's due to endometriosis, irregular periods, periods that just don't quit. And they go on and on and on. It can also be used for things like acne. And you're having acne, you're having hair growth on your chin, chest, abdomen, or you're maybe you know starting to notice that you have mood symptoms that come up and you're having PMS, so premenstrual tension syndrome, two weeks you know before your period somewhere in that window, you're starting to have mood swings or insomnia, or maybe you're having breast tenderness and you're feeling uncomfortable. And so there's really a whole wide spectrum of reasons that doctors will prescribe hormonal birth control. Unfortunately, it does work. Although it does work for some situations, it doesn't work for everybody. And there's a root cause to all of those things. Mm-hmm. So for example, an irregular period or a long period, just unpredictable periods, maybe it's PCOS, maybe it's hypothyroidism. Hormonal birth control doesn't address those things. Yes, it will mask how your period, which is the fifth vital sign, your menstrual cycle is presenting to you. The withdrawal bleed is a medication-induced withdrawal bleed. So it's not really a period. You're having a medication withdrawal. And all the while, this underlying issue is allowed to progress. And I talk about this in chapter eight of my book, which is the metabolic mayhem, is that you know women with PCOS, like that's a big disservice. You delayed the diagnosis, sometimes for decades. That woman didn't get the diagnosis. And she kept going to the doctor being like, I can't lose weight. And they're like, girl, just eat right and exercise. Like mm-hmm. eat less, move more, right? Mm-hmm. I always joke. I'm like the nineties call. They want their bunk nutrition information <laughs> back. Like yeah. that's not how it works in a female body. And for everyone listening, I know there's doctors out there that are still arguing calories in calories out. Just walk away, just mm-hmm. walk away from that because they're negating the fact that your hormones are everything. And they're so intertwined with your metabolic health, but like with PCOS, the root cause of that is insulin dysregulation and inflammation. And as we're starting to understand, the gut microbiome is likely skewed as well. That's predisposing women to that. Well, hormonal birth control can lead to insulin resistance. It's inflammatory and it does cut down on your gut microbes. So 
for a woman with PCOS, not only are you delaying the diagnosis, but it's also something that in some ways we could actually be making things worse, especially because nobody's looking out for the rest. Of it. I mean, you're in your twenties. Nobody's measuring your blood sugar, right. like whatever. Yeah. That's like, we're not even going to think about that. And that's not to say that like, if you want to use the pill or any form of hormonal birth control to manage your symptoms, that's 100% you're right. But you should at least know why you have those symptoms and know how to stay safe and what to look out for while you're on it. Mm-hmm, definitely. And so it seems like the pill is quite often now used as a Band-Aid. We're band-aiding the thing instead of finding out that root cause because everything that you just mentioned, like you said, there is a reason behind that. There's a reason why your periods aren't easy and normal and regular and every 28 days or whatever they should be. So you can do that digging work and then you can decide for yourself if the birth control pill is the way that you want to go to take care of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, good. So now let's move on to those that are already on the pill, which there's a lot of them, right? Yeah. There's a lot of women out there still on the pill. What would you say would be maybe the top symptoms that they could be experiencing because they're on the pill that they don't even know that that's what's causing it? Yeah. And you know, when we're talking about the United States, it's about 11 million women right now. That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of us. It's estimated that 98% of all sexually active females have at least tried the pill. Mm -hmm. That's also where it's like, whoa, like this is a big issue that none of us have been talking about. It's almost been taboo to talk about these things. And that's why I think this question right here is really important is that to understand that although you were told this pill will fix your reproductive issues, you weren't necessarily told that your reproductive issues impact every other system in your body. Mm -hmm. And so can the pill. And there's this idea, this one especially goes with like the IUDs where doctors are like, the progestin just stays in the vagina. It doesn't like, it's in the uterus and you know, the vagina and like that whole area and it doesn't go anywhere else. And it's like, well, your uterus is not a vacuum container. Like, right. <laughs> and, and really like- It's attached need, to things. <laughs> yeah. We need more research on that. And we also need to try to understand like there's metabolites and our microbes interact with these hormones and then they create metabolites. And are we measuring the right things? That's a wormhole. That's another day. But with that, you know, you might start having pain with intercourse. So you might lose your libido, have pain with intercourse. And when you actually achieve an orgasm, have pain with Mm -hmm. your orgasm. Like that's super lame. So, Mm -hmm. because why are you taking hormonal birth control if you are in that, you know, 40 something percent camp for having sex and not having to worry about having a baby? Other things that can go on is symptoms like gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, irregular stools. You can get the diagnosis of IBS. There is a link between hormonal birth control and inflammatory bowel disease, most notably Crohn's disease. So that can actually be showing up. And I've had patients who, you know, they come to me and they're like, I have all these food sensitivities and the list is dwindling and dwindling in terms of what I can actually eat. And their doctor is just like, cut out more foods do another round of SIBO treatment, you have candida. And the reality is, is that hormonal birth control is leading to intestinal hyperpermeability and skewing the microbiome that's making them susceptible to all those things. So really the root cause isn't another round of antibiotics or probiotics, although those might help. It's very much like you have to look at what hormonal birth control is doing. And things like dental infections or yeast overgrowth in the mouth, that can be related to hormonal birth control. 
skin symptoms. Maybe you start losing your hair, your skin, you start breaking out, you have rashes, melasma. So you get hyperpigmentation. So darkening of the skin that we typically see in pregnancy. Or possibly you're having mood symptoms. We're not in a place in the research where we can say causation. So let, let me back that up and say this. Ladies, there hasn't been a published study that says hormonal birth control causes these mood symptoms, but there hasn't been a woman who you know, hasn't complained about mood symptoms since the introduction of hormonal birth control somewhere in your social circle. So mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't you. But maybe of a sister or a friend or somebody who started hormonal birth control. It's in the package insert. It is definitely something. I mean, I feel like for every one doctor or scientist that's out there dismissing what women experience with hormonal birth control, with post-birth control syndrome, there's thousands of women. There's probably a good one to 2,000 women who have a consistent, independent story about what happened with hormonal birth control. So that's just mm-hmm. to say at this point, I think we need to stop acting like, well, we don't have a study that shows cause, therefore these women are making it up. I think instead we need to get humble, curious and say, okay, dang, there's a lot of women saying the same thing and we don't have a study to show that, but maybe we can start asking why her and not her. Like why this woman and not this woman? And we can start to explore the mechanism of action, which, you know, beyond the pill, there's a whole anxiety, mood, depression chapter where I break down what we do know in the research and what is happening in the female brain when we're on these things. Mm -hmm. That's just a handful of the symptoms that you can see coming up. You'll read a lot more in Beyond the Pill of like, these are things that you want to look out for. And like, this is more of the everyday stuff, like the breast cancer risk, the stroke risk, the heart attack. That is something that affects special populations a little bit more. Those are the big scary ones. In Beyond the Pill, hopefully I do my job in that you don't feel scared. And -hmm. if you are scared, you know what lab testing to get done and how to talk to your doctor about it. Oh, I'm so glad you included all that stuff in the book. That's amazing. What about weight gain? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I know there's a lot of women out there wondering that exact same question. (laughs) Yeah. And so here's the thing is that, oh, this is another one that loves to get dismissed because there's never been a significant finding. And some of the research papers will say, well, it's only about five to 10 pounds. So it's not really significant. And I'm like, so I'm not even five, five. I try to be five, five. I'm not five, five. Five pounds is a lot of weight Mm -hmm. for someone my size and my frame. And so this is where I think that medicine and research is doing a disservice when they don't take the individual into account to recognize that like, hey, maybe you're a six foot tall woman and you put on five pounds, that's not going to seem very significant. Or maybe like some of my friends who are coming in at barely over five, five, five pounds is going to feel very significant. Just Mm -hmm. like, and I just say that because there's other individual factors where it's like, you know, for some women, something doesn't feel significant. Research is like, that's not significant. But for some women on the individual level, that is significant for them. Now with hormonal birth control, knowing that it's inflammatory and that it, it has progestin, not progesterone. Progesterone is, you are the only one that makes progesterone, not a lab. They haven't figured that out. You go you. There is bioidentical progesterone that's coming from nature. Good job, nature wins again. With your natural progesterone, it's a diuretic. So it's actually going to move fluids out. Progestin is not. It does not have that effect. So some research is like it's water weight, which can be true because some women will just come off of hormonal birth control and then they're like, whoa, 
I lost five pounds <laughs> in a month. What happened there? But there's other things that are coming into play as well. So we know that estrogen and progesterone can influence our you know, fat cells, how we burn fat. Testosterone influences muscle mass. So if you're on hormonal birth control, you are plummeting your testosterone. Now you're losing your ability to really have those muscle gains. A lot of women complain about this and muscle is very metabolically active. You want to make it so that like you just burn like 1300 calories naturally, like laying on the couch all day, build more muscle, build Mm -hmm. more muscle. That's always the answer. So there's that impact as well. We also understand that hormonal birth control is depleting nutrients that the mitochondria use. Mitochondria are the powerhouses. They are going to run your energy pathways. They are using your food as fuel. And then there's the piece that, well, if it does cause insulin resistance and blood sugar dysregulation, then we know that that can have a negative effect on weight. And this is something where, again, research will be like, well, it's mild. It's like being pregnant. And I'm like, right, but I wasn't pregnant for 10 years. Like, <laughs> that's just not something you do. So it's again, like, yes, this is what the research is saying, but we have to pull it out in context. And then right. of course we understand this is the thing that makes it so tricky is that there won't be a study linking directly with hormonal birth control, like hormonal birth control and X, you know, whatever it is. However, there'll be a study. So let's take the microbiome as an example. If you have poor gut microbe diversity, so good guys growing in your gut, that can lead you predisposed to anxiety. That can lead you to gain weight. So we can have issues with weight gain and holding on to weight. Like these bugs do a lot of things. So if you're on a medication that lowers microbial diversity and can actually lead you to overgrow yeast, not have enough of the good gut bugs, you have leaky gut going on, all of these things, then we can understand that if all of that happening in the gut can impact your mood, your weight, your metabolism, like all of these things, and a medication disrupts those in a negative way, okay, we can reverse engineer that and say, okay, hormonal birth control is playing a part. It's part of the recipe mm-hmm. here. So does that make sense? Because yes. it's always something that's like so quickly dismissed as well. I mean, really just women's medicine is dismissed at a rate it really shouldn't be. That's why these podcasts, that's like the work you're doing is so important because it's giving women direct access to clinicians and information that they need to be able to heal themselves. Is that real? Yeah. Is that really going on? Yeah. I don't, nobody, nobody knows this, but we can actually see each other. We're doing a video chat here and yeah. Dr. Brighton's in Paris right now. And in her window, you can see the Eiffel Tower sparkling. Yeah. That is gorgeous. It does it every hour. And people, (gasps) like you just saw me. So you guys, you didn't see me, but I just like did this huge wide mouth smile open pointing. People who follow me on Instagram know it's funny because I tell my husband, I'm like, I'm kind of like a little Pomeranian or something like, cause I have fluffy hair and I have all this energy <laughs> and I bounce around, but every time it sparkles, I'm like, Oh, it's sparkling. Yeah, it's so like every hour you get to have that like super exciting moment. That is really gorgeous. And I'm just seeing it from afar and it's amazing. I can't imagine in person. That's how I'm keeping my hormones balanced right there. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I love that. All right. So let's move on in this journey. So say now, 
we've talked about this, talked about some of the things that can go wrong health-wise in women, potentially because of their birth control. So now they have the power to decide if that's something they want to continue or not. They're doing the research, they're reading beyond the pill, they're understanding more about their bodies, what could be going on. So maybe that person is ready now to take the next step and work on getting off um, Mm -hmm. a pill. So what is post-birth control syndrome and how can we go about handling that? Yeah. So post-birth control syndrome, as I defined it in Beyond the Pill, is the signs and symptoms. It's a collection of symptoms that go together that show up on average about four to six months when women come off of hormonal birth control. For some women, it shows up a lot sooner. And for others, and this is something women do, so don't judge yourself for this because we all do it. It's why the human race is here, is that we'll plow through things. So we'll be like, eh, yeah, I have these symptoms, but they're mild. I can deal with it. And then a year or two years later, or even more, sometimes they can't deal with the symptoms anymore. And because you're so far removed from birth control, your doctor's like, well, it's probably not the birth control. If you do the woman's timeline and you actually go through that and trace it, you will find, okay, that was, that was a player in this. Now, the other thing about post-birth control syndrome that makes it tricky is that if you understand every single system it can impact, so you know from your neurological health to your cardiovascular health, your metabolic health, your gut health, your liver like detox pathways, that's a huge one. You know your reproductive health and even you know your skin. You know we've got to start looking at like now we understand the skin has its own microbiome. So what's up with that? We need to look mm-hmm. at that. If you understand it impacts every single system then you can understand why if your doctor sees it through the lens that hormonal birth control only works on your reproductive health, therefore it's only going to affect reproductive hormones, how this can be dismissed or even missed. And for women who are listening to understand that like in medicine, if you have female troubles, as I do air quotes, mm-hmm. or your estrogen, testosterone, you know, is imbalanced, it's progesterone, you're having fertility issues, that kind of stuff, you're going to see a gynecologist. Now, if it's your thyroid or your adrenals, you're going to see an endocrinologist, except that these things are absolutely related, but we've just split that out. Now, if you have gut symptoms, you're going to go to a gastroenterologist, except your gut moves out your estrogen and that all of your hormones influence gut function. And so they all have to be considered. Now, with post-birth control syndrome, it can range from gut issues, from skin issues. You can have new onset acne, or you can have a return of acne that you are masking up. All period problems are on the table. So maybe you lose your period like I did, and many of my patients have. This has been documented as post-pill amenorrhea since the 1970s in research. Or maybe your period comes back with a vengeance, and you are like, I always had easy periods. Now they're wicked, painful, and awful. It can also be things like you're losing your hair, you're finding that you're having insomnia, your sleep's now disrupted, you're now having anxiety. And so it shows up in a lot of ways. And really it's related to you came off of hormonal birth control and then that party got started. Mm-hmm. And isn't it also the case where, kind of like you mentioned, birth control isn't solving anything. So if you came into and got put on birth control with a hormonal imbalance already in place, likely when you get off, that same thing is going to pop back up or worse or different or something. So you put a Band-Aid on it for that time and then now it's going to come back. Yeah. And you know, the thing that breaks my heart is like, I've had patients who we go through their timeline, they had irregular periods, you know, so their periods were really unpredictable, they were painful, 
their doctor put them on the pill in their 20s. And as we go through it, they're like, yeah, that was about the time that I was super fatigued in college. I couldn't even get out of bed in those days. Like I stopped exercising because I was in so much pain and my muscles just ached all the time. My joints ached. My friends would make fun of me like I was the old lady of the group. And then I started, you know, I was struggling with classes. I had patients who like, they couldn't even pursue the career they wanted to pursue. And as we go through everything and then we do lab testing, they are full-blown hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. They have those antibodies. And it's like, wow, we've got a question because thyroid can present with these period problems when your doctor passed you the pill without any question why you were having those symptoms and you had this whole collection of symptoms. It sounds a lot like hypothyroidism. Like, How much of your life was taken away from that? And by the way, hormonal birth control is only depleting the nutrients that your thyroid needed to function. I have an entire chapter on thyroid health in my book because it's that important, not only the relation of hormonal birth control with thyroid health, but also thyroid health to women in general. I mean, once we get into our 30s, we're five to eight times more likely to get diagnosed with a thyroid disease. Half of us Half of us with hypothyroidism are walking around and don't even know it. And a part of it, I really think, is because if you're in your reproductive years, do you want to get pregnant? No? Great. Here's birth control. And Mm -hmm. that's a huge disservice to women. If she wants to use it again for her symptoms, that's 100% her right. But putting her on a medication that only impacts a you know a system in a more negative way that's already out of balance like that's a disservice and you just delayed a diagnosis and that's your job as a doctor is to get to that diagnosis so that patient knows what they're working with and knows exactly how to support themselves so true Before we move on with the show, I just want to remind you all about the new Keto Starter Packs from Artisana Organics, who is a wonderful sponsor of the Keto for Women show and helping bring this episode to air for you all. Artisana Organics is the nut butter brand. They are using all raw organic nuts sourced from farms with just the best practices, really taking care of their employees. And this is something that is a big deal in the nut industry, probably something you don't know about, but there is a lot of malpractice going on in the nut farms all over the world. And so Artisana has made it a point to find the best practicing farms out there, really taking care of their employees and sourcing their organic raw nuts from those farms. And the thing is, that's all they're using in their nut butters, especially their coconut butter, their almond butter, their pecan butter, walnut butter. It's just nuts. There's nothing else in it. There's no weird oils. There's no added sugar. And that is something that is hard to find when you're out shopping for nut butters. And if you're anything like me, I rely on my nut butter packets, my coconut butter packets as my snacks, whether I'm on the go or I'm working from home and I just don't feel like cooking up something. I just want something simple and quick, I'm going for those Artisana Nut Butter Packs. I highly recommend you do the same. You will not be disappointed. I'm about to leave for three weeks in Hawaii, and I'm going to be taking all the nut butter because it is the one thing that is easy to take, easy to pack, satisfying, satiating. I know I can put that in my backpack. I can take it on the plane. I can take it with me on hikes while I'm in Hawaii, and it will be the perfect snack. As I mentioned, right now they are doing a keto starter kit, which you definitely want to get your hands on if you haven't already. It is a 
packet that contains two coconut butter jars, two raw almond butter bars, and packets of each, packets of that raw almond and raw coconut butter for you to take with you on the go. You definitely want to get your hands on this. And because Artisana Organics are so awesome... They're giving you 15% off your first order over on their website at artisanaorganics.com. That's A-R-T-I-S-A-N-A organics.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number four women for 15% off your order. Go ahead and get that keto starter kit. I also got to tell you the cashew butter is the best. It's basically frosting if you're keto. It tastes just like frosting when you haven't had something sweet for a while. You will love it as a special treat. Once again, Artisana Organics, 15% off using coupon code KETO, the number for women. So let's talk about nutrition and say that we are in the place where we're ready to get off birth control. We want to try to bypass this post birth control syndrome as Mm -hmm. much as we can. And I'm sure there are ways that we can do so. One of which I'm going to assume is nutrition and making sure we're getting the right nutrients for our bodies. So what do you suggest in regards to the food we're putting on our plate during that time? Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to come off of hormonal birth control and you are like, oh, wait, I had major period problems, prep your body for a good three months before you transition off because those are the women who do the best when they come off. So on YouTube, I have a whole series of real women's stories about this. And the women who avoided hormonal birth control, 100% every single time, and the same thing with my patients will say, I changed my diet. I made dietary changes. I started exercising. It's all the diet and lifestyle stuff where that it really all starts. So you know, with that, you're going to want to look at, okay, how do you replenish your nutrient stores? Like hormonal birth control has been depleting those. And right now, if you grab Beyond the Pill, I want to say thank you. I've got gratitude gifts. You can go to beyondthepillbook.com. And I have a whole guide on nutrient depletions and what foods to eat. So if you've been on hormonal birth control, you're on it now, have you ever taken it, Get that guide so that you can know exactly how to dial in your diet. There's also a whole lab testing guide as well. So if you're like, I want to know right now, I'm waiting for my book to come. Amazon's pretty quick, but why not get it? (laughs) So I, I got that for you as well. And then there's recipes. So a big focus is on detox supporting nutrients as well in this time. So in the book, the first two weeks is going to take you through how to support your detox pathways and how to use food to be able to do that. So, you know, in terms of like, ketogenic diet, you're going to find foods in there that are very much focused on leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. onions, garlic, high quality fat. That's a huge piece. Yay. If you want your hormones back, you got to eat your fat. Mm-hmm. In the mood chapter, I'm like, get your fat up. The brain is fat. Get your fat up. And like those ketones are absolutely going to heal your mm-hmm. neurological health. That was something, you know, when I had a traumatic brain injury, First thing is that I ended up not having an appetite. So I fasted for like several days. And then I was like, well, I might as well just go keto now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm already there. <laughs> I'm already in. The funny thing is, everyone's like, did you get the keto flu? Did you feel awful? I'm like, no, nah, I had a head injury. So I like sleeping all the time. So I just like slept through all that. But the other thing is that I, I noticed, you know, I know there's some people that are like, don't use exogenous ketones. Oh my God, did exogenous ketones help me so much in healing that? Mm-hmm. So shout out to that. <laughs> that was a little bit of a tangent there. But 
certainly, you know, these things we know are neuroprotective. Now, the other piece is that you've got to have high quality protein going in. And, you know, in Beyond the Pill, I'm going to have you take out some foods, test some things, see what's true for you. And a lot of people have asked, why don't you take out eggs? Like, I don't understand. I'm like, well, because my patients taught me. Now, with autoimmune disease, that's a little bit of a different story, but my patients taught me because they just didn't do it. They didn't take out Mm -hmm. eggs and then they were fine. Like it worked. (laughs) And I very much am convinced that somebody is like a vegetarian, I'd rather them eat an egg than pull that out. I think we get a little Mm -hmm. too, you know, where people are like, all these foods are bad. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, you got to figure out what's true for you. But with eggs, I really think you need the high quality protein, which is a wide array of amino acids and complete protein. That's how your liver detoxes. The biotin will keep us from losing our hair is very important. Mm -hmm. And those yolks, I mean, if you're getting that pastured egg yolk, it's so rich. I actually just had somebody today, I just have to share this because I just like, I laughed so hard I was crying, who sent me a direct message on Instagram and I'd shown a picture of my breakfast. And so my breakfast is, you know, if you guys watch my Instagram, it's usually more on the the keto. I don't consider myself keto, although it it does happen in my life. I just prefer Mm -hmm. to eat fat and Mm -hmm. protein vegetables. That's how I roll. And it was this picture of eggs and there was like turmeric, onions, garlic, kale, like just like, and the lady writes me and she's like, why are you killing women? <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, don't you know that heart disease is the number one thing women die from and you are supporting them eating these fats that are going to kill them. Oh no. And why I laughed so hard is because I scrolled through and I was like, whoa, this sent me a lot of messages. Today was the first day that I saw them. Sorry guys, if you DM me, just know I get like thousands and I don't yeah. get through them all. And so I scrolled back and like, she was critiquing everything that I'd ever posted. If there was meat, you're giving people cancer. Like, not that I'm telling people to eat things that could give them. No, I am giving them cancer. Full on blame on me. Oh my God. And then like I would post, so my son, you know, he has this inflammatory autoimmune condition of his brain, which is recently discovered and we're working on that. And they lose their appetite with that. But there were foods we could get him to eat. And some of them would be vegetarian. And you'll see these photos. They have tons of olives. He will eat those. Mm-hmm. And I very much think this is his wisdom of he's fasting. And then he's eating really low carb vegetables and high fat foods. Mm-hmm. There's a wisdom in that. And I roll with it. And I respect it. But I post these photos and she's like, that's good. Good job. Like now you're learning. And I'm like, <gasps> oh my this gosh. is cracking me up. Like I just was like laughing and crying so hard because back in you know early 2000, when I was getting my degree in nutrition, we very much understood that inflammation is what drove heart disease and not cholesterol. And mm-hmm. it was so crazy to me because I would go to my clinical nutrition classes, which was like the pathway to be a registered dietitian. And they'd be like, fat is bad. It's the devil. It's going to give you heart disease. And then I would go to my science. So my nutritional biochemistry classes. And they'd say fat, if you're eating actually like grass fed animals, like this is like mind blowing at this time. You guys. <laughs> if you're eating grass fed animals, they actually are rich in antioxidants and they're cardioprotective. And there's never been a robust scientific data to support that cholesterol actually causes heart disease. And instead it's inflammation. Mm-hmm. So we need to be paying attention to inflammatory fats and inflammatory foods. And I mean, at that time in my twenties, I was like, what are these contradictions? And so now to have it full blown where like people message me and like tell me straight up that I'm giving people heart disease. I'm like, and I 
often say this because you guys might get hit with this argument as well. And here's something really important to understand. When do women get heart disease? When they lose their hormones, Mm -hmm. okay? That's when we're going to have a heart attack and everything escalates. Our risk factors go up. How do you build your hormones? You're going to get this in chapter in my book, The Lowdown on Your Hormones. You get them from cholesterol. You build them. They're cholesterol-based hormones. So you want to crash your libido, eat a fat-free diet. Like you want to <laughs> your mood, eat a fat-free diet. You want to see your period disappear? This happens with women who are like, I'm going to eat a fat-free diet and I'm going to over-exercise. And now I'm not only am I not having my period, but like life is hell mm-hmm. because your hormones give you superpowers when they're balanced. So that was a bit of tangent just to have somebody plate shaming me. <laughs> Don't you be plate shaming me. Yeah. I think like at this point, because of social media, Everyone who posts their food occasionally is like, fine, I'm going to get some plate shaming. I don't care. But it's more so like, it's sad how delayed it is. Like you were learning this stuff and it was like already proven and, and being taught in the early 2000s. And here we are in 2019, yep. almost 20 years later. And it's still people that cannot get that message. Like it just doesn't resonate. It just is so crazy how delayed it has to be. I think it's also something, it's it's dogma. We have a saying in my clinic that dogma equals death. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people have heard me say this because I think the worst thing, like what animals survive, the adoptable ones, that's what you want to be. And so back when I was getting my nutrition degree, I ate six servings of grains every day. I convinced myself to be on a Mm fat-free diet. And as I was learning more and more of this stuff, and I was also vegetarian and I was learning more of this and I was like, oh, like I can't even with this fat right now. Like really? I convinced myself I didn't like butter. That's dumb. I'm in, I'm in France now. I know. <laughs> Who doesn't like butter? <laughs> I eat all the butter and all the cheese. Cause here I don't break out. And I'm like, yes, I can eat cheese. It's so good. <laughs> but you know, when I was taught about the ketogenic diet, you know, that's great for basically seizures. That's about it. Seizures and kids use the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. And it was very much something of like, you need to eat your grains. Grains are really important. Drink your milk for calcium. Then as I progressed in my education, it was like, oh, actually, you it's not bioavailable, that calcium and that milk. You actually want to eat Chinese cabbage. Mm-hmm. And these things you know, started to shift and evolve. And this is something that I think we really need to see in medicine. That's humility and curiosity. That you know, I was taught all of these things. I was taught that the brain preferred glucose. And glucose is what the brain needed. And we needed to eat grains for that very reason. Then more research came out. Then more people. And then like, this is also the time you guys were like Atkins was a thing and everybody was making fun of Atkins. I think there are some things that had we just paid attention, we could have iterated on and made that a lot better. But you know, mm-hmm. now it's something where I've used the ketogenic diet therapeutically. I use it with patients as well. And there's a lot more we're starting to learn about it. We need more research on women because all the studies are on men. And then they're like, same, same. We're not right. the same. Not at all, but <laughs> not at all. This is something that, like, to understand, I just want people to understand that, like, very much my roots in nutrition were plant based diet, vegetarian, eat all the grains, and a ketogenic diet was so extreme and that we shouldn't be using it and you could die and ketosis is this terrible thing and it only happens to diabetics. And like, that was, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago where I'm coming from. And then things evolved mm-hmm. and changed. And now I'm like, yeah, I practice. I use the ketogenic diet. Again, like I was saying, I think, you know, we're not measuring ketones in my son, but I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing. Having gone through a head injury mm-hmm. myself and realizing that my body, I would get so nauseous. I was forced to fast like five days out of the month. Now understanding 
Walter Longo's research and like, oh, actually that's the sweet spot for getting stem cells up. Like there's a wisdom going on in the body. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say all of that to everyone listening to understand that like we may also change our mind about keto and keto and women specifically in the future. And the most important thing you can do is just keep asking, is this true for me? Is this true for me? And evaluating what Mm -hmm. is true for you and know that plate shaming is going to happen. Diet is up there with religion and politics. And so seriously, you're talking about diet at any time, people will get as heated with you as they do about who's Mm -hmm. president and who should be president and all that business. So yeah, I mean, totally. I'm sure I got more plate shaming DMs in there, but I just laugh about it because if, if somebody's that extreme, I'm like, you're in a different phase right now. That's okay. You do your thing, but like, yeah, that's right. not true for me. And so I'm not going to get down with that. So I just want women to feel really empowered mm-hmm. in the choices they're making for their body. Cause there's this thing about being a woman. There are people always lining up to tell you they can live your life better than you. especially heightened when you decide to get pregnant Mm -hmm. or you are pregnant, you are a mom, you decide to get married. Like whenever these major life events, that's when people get a lot more vocal. The same is true when you change your diet and lifestyle Mm -hmm. and recognize that when you decide to change and shift things to better yourself, it sometimes challenges people's stories and they're not ready to let go of that story. So it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their baggage. So you just keep on moving. So I love it so much. So talk in my language. I'm like, this isn't about birth control, but like this needs to be said. Because well, still, we need it. Yes, it's so true. You want to raise your inflammation? Hate on yourself. Say mean things to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or others. Like just be nice to everybody, including yourself. It's that easy. <laughs> totally. Okay. So I want to just wrap up the birth control chat with one last question. So say there's someone out there who you know, is really interested in getting off the pill, but maybe they were put on because of endometriosis, PCOS, something that's pretty major. And they're kind of scared. They're basically scared to take that step because, you know, they have these memories of really bad periods, terrible pain, that kind of stuff. So what do you suggest for that kind of person? Yeah, that's such a great, great question. And, you know, what I really want to say straight away is that you're going to need to partner with a clinician in all of this and that we all mm-hmm. need to stop making decisions based out of fear. A lot of times we get put on hormonal birth control because we had the bejesus scared out of us by our doctor. You know, there's women that are like, I have to be on the pill for like the rest of my life because it's the only way my doctor said I can prevent ovarian cancer. There's a lot of ways to prevent cancer. That's one piece of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Now with endometriosis, PCOS, PCOS, you can expect there's going to be an androgen rebound that you're going to get oily skin and acne. This is a situation where follow the protocols in beyond the pill for a good three months as you transition off, then make sure that you continue to support yourself. It doesn't mean you'll be on a super strict diet for the rest of the time. You can't go eating six servings of grains a day, okay? Ditch the food pyramid. It's no good. I'm telling you that. But you know, with that, and beyond the pill, I'm also going to get you dialed in with supplements. Like, what can I take with supplements? And that's a good way to fine tune. When we are in a healing phase, we're going to need supplements. Now, endometriosis, Mm-hmm. you got to do a little bit more work with that. So if we understand, mm-hmm. you know, we don't totally understand endometriosis. Again, not studying women, that's a big issue. But with it, we are starting to see more and more that it's likely autoimmune in origin. And so if that's the case, then you have to understand that, and you'll read all about this in my gut check chapter, hormonal birth control causing intestinal hyperpermeability, more commonly known as leaky gut, 
could actually be a player playing a role in autoimmune disease. So if that's endometriosis, there's some work to do to undo some of that. So with endo, I typically recommend that women go a good three to six months prepping their body for that transition off. Most women with endo that I talk with, they don't actually have complete pain relief while they're on hormonal birth control. It takes the edge off, which is actually good. Because then we can test, well, what works for you? Bringing up magnesium, does turmeric help? Like, does drinking ginger tea? Like, we can start to play with these things and understand what works for them with pain management. And I give those options in my book as well. And then, you know, when it comes time to transition off, you want to have a healthcare team. So you want to have that diet dialed in for sure. You want to be working with someone who's, you know, working on the root cause of those things. And you're likely going to want to have a good adhesions, massage therapist that can help. Having a counselor, chronic pain of any kind tanks our mood. So having a counselor in place and just thinking about who you want to have be part of your healthcare team, the diet the supplements, the lifestyle practices, those are going to have to be something that you really fine tune for yourself, but also that you're consistent with. Like, you know, I'll have women that are like, mm-hmm. well, I tried this supplement and it didn't work. And it's like, well, it won't have to take it long enough. It's a natural therapy, which means it's working with your body. And they only work if you actually take them. And I say that as somebody who, <laughs> you know, when I'm taking my supplements, I'm like, yeah, everything's so good. And then I'll just be like, I just don't feel like it or I'm busy. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I'm like, what happened? Oh, maybe I'm getting sick. I'm tired. Or maybe like you just don't have that self-care piece like going. And for me, you know, having Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. I have to stay on top of my supplements with that. I have to stay on top of these things. That's how I'm a little Pomeranian bouncing off mm-hmm. the wall <laughs> because I stay on top of it. But yeah, <laughs> so I appreciate you asking that. And I think it's only fair to let women know, you mm-hmm. know, there's a 30-day protocol in the book that's designed to really be your 30 days of understanding what's true for you in terms of diet. I guide you right away into lifestyle practices. So there's a quiz that'll happen where it's like, you know, do you have too much estrogen, too little estrogen? Is it thyroid? Like what is going on? And then because I know you ain't got time, if your hormones are out of whack, you know, here is the solutions right away. If you, if this is the box you checked, jump over to these pages and get right into it. Mm-hmm. And then you can go through the 30 days, but that 30 days, you can extend that. It's just about what, what is going to keep working for you. Oh, so good. Yeah, this book is amazing. I think anyone really, even if you were on the pill 10 years ago and you still don't feel like your hormones are quite right, this is the book for you. It really works for all ladies who have had any experience with the pill. Yeah, but if you've got hormones, like you want to read this book. For the whole first half of the book, <laughs> it's like, true. Understanding your hormones, yeah. understanding your menstrual cycle. There's the decoder ring chapter, which is what I call it because you should have been handed this chapter to decode your period problems to know if I have heavy periods, this is what might cause it. This is what I should ask my doctor about. These are the labs they should test. And this is what I can do right now. And so I really mm-hmm. built it so that it's like a forever resource guide that you can keep going back to and troubleshooting. Uh, so important. Such good information. Where can everyone get the book? You can grab the book. It's at Barnes and Nobles. It's really anywhere that they sell books. And then of course on Amazon as well. Okay. I also have through my website, which is drbrighton.com, which is a little bit tricky, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. So you can grab it there. And then if you grab it, please get the gratitude bonuses, which are beyondthepillbook.com. Oh, perfect. And then where can they find you over on social media? 
So you can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite place to be at Dr. Jolene Brighton. I'm also mm-hmm. on Facebook as well. And then you can catch me pinning on Pinterest. And I have a YouTube channel where I like to share videos because I know we all we all learn a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Brighton, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That was really, really, really great information. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad we were able to connect and make this happen. Yay. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.